0: Turn it up.
1: You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson.
0: And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests?
1: Stories or didn't happen?
0: A big welcome to our marketing fans. Prepare to turn the f- up. Back again with another episode of the Marketing Millennials. Today I'm joined by Dan Kimball, the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Yelp. He has also done stints at Eventbrite, Capital One, and a bunch of other startups. I'm excited to welcome Dan to the podcast. Welcome, Dan. Hey, thanks, Daniel. Good name. Thank you. Thank you. I want to get into like the the first and like how did marketing come to you? Like what like what is your journey in marketing? Sure. Well, way back, my mom was an
1: artist, and my dad is the most logical thinker I know. He was the kind of guy that could take machines apart on the manufacturing floor and piece it back together from memory and just through you know seeing how the mechanics of the machine worked. And I think I was influenced by the meeting of the left and right sides of the brain. That led me to a philosophy major at a liberal arts college that I had to put to use somewhere. And my first job out of college for a couple of years was at a market research company conducting quantitative and qualitative research, spending most of my time uh, moderating focus groups and doing usability studies in people's homes to see how they interacted with consumer products. And that I found was a great foundation for curiosity about what motivates consumers and what you know, why, why people make the decisions that they make and interacting with things that maybe are seemingly simple to understand, understanding the complexities of it when you put yourself in your customer's seat. So I, I craved really getting into the creation part. And from market research, I myself at an agency and now client side creating things that aim to connect with consumers and ultimately figuring out what their motivations are, which is I think at the very core of, of great marketing.
0: That's awesome. And a quick question that I like to ask everybody in this podcast is what do you think most marketers are doing wrong today?
1: Oh, so many. And I and by the way, I, when I say that, I mean we do it, we do it wrong. I personally do it wrong myself, but It may sound odd, but I think many marketers forget what their goals are often, which going back to what I was just talking about, it's to connect with and convince people to take the next step in whatever it is you're trying to get them to do. It could be to read a blog. It could be to buy a product. It could be to download an app. It could be to write a review. And then you've got to align your messaging and channels to reach those goals. And that sounds really, really simple, but we get so caught up in in the nuances of our projects and opinions that we often lose sight that if our audience doesn't care, we're not going to be successful. No matter how hard we try and how much we spend time making the perfect design or the perfect media buy, if we're not understanding, what our customers want, and what motivate them, uh, we're just not going to win. I I personally know, know, on a tactical level, I don't talk to my customers often enough. I read a lot of reports. I count on my research team to give me studies. But if I lose touch with either the consumers that visit Yelp or the businesses that we sell to, on a regular basis, I will lose touch with what our number one goal is.
0: That's an awesome way to put it. And I, how do you think marketers can understand their customers better and their audience better?
1: I think it's probably a combination of many things. You know, there's the external and internal metrics, and then there's the campaign level metrics. So the external metrics are all the things that market research reports can tell you. Census data can tell you if you're going after a certain market, having people that are in that market telling you about the culture of the consumers in the market, your competitors that are influencing behaviors already, current events, all that stuff. So there's a body of work to be done on the external factors that motivate how consumers think. Then there's the internal stuff, which we get from our BizOps team typically, which is the trends on usage and logins and friction points and behaviors on our app and then there's campaign level stuff which give you call it like pulses of how people respond to certain messages and incentives which is a constant ab test for Yelp and i imagine for many people in your in the audience right now is let's see based on what we know about consumers in Austin who use a competitor and, you know, have just graduated college and are looking for their first department, which subject line motivates them more? And from each of those tests, we can paint a a richer picture about what the motivators are for people to make decisions. And so there's there's no one answer to how you learn more about your audience. But you should have a list of all those things and make sure that you've got you know your cylinders firing in a lot in each of those different areas, internal, external, and and campaign level.
0: Yeah, it's definitely like a bunch of different resources that you can tap into to understand your audience. And I think like there's the data, there's the talking to the customers, there's all those aspects that you just said. I wanted to also dive into a topic I know you're passionate about as um, like. Why should marketers do the boring, like, know and do the boring stuff
1: right? Well, you know, there's lots of great ideas. Coming up with the ideas is kind of the fun part as a marketer. There's no shortage of amazing creative people in marketing who have great ideas about how to get in touch with and motivate an audience. The hard part is, as you said, and called it the boring stuff. It's, you know making sure that marketing is contributing a meaningful amount of value to the market and to the business in a measurable way and that really translates into all the operating you know perfection that we need to pull off these ideas it's the prioritization of those ideas it's the cross functional work at Yelp it's really between marketing and product and sales to launch initiatives together so there's a unified experience it's the efficiencies of operating and the orchestration through people process and also technology and then it's the calibration of all those levers to accomplish those goals and making sure you're staying on track with the right kind of metrics and okrs that's hard i mean all that stuff i just talked about each of those has a level of depth as you know as a marketing ops professional there's a level of depth to each of those different things and i have just found in my career that I've gravitated towards focusing more on the boring orchestration stuff, because I know that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where value creation happens. And that's where ideas come to life. And so there's great satisfaction when you come up with that idea, but a quarter later, you can look back and, and marvel at the, the, you know, the work that was done to actually get it off the ground.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it is like, a lot of people discredit the the journey versus the outcome like they always like marveling on this outcome but this is all and you you hear this all the time and out there like we did this this and this and oh i've achieved all these big goals but nobody ever talks about like how many hours like what were the failures to get to that point and i think like that should be talked about a little more because i think like even being marketing ops and you probably know is like there's a lot of Things that you test that fail, a lot of systems that break all the time, a lot of lists that get sent out to the wrong people, a lot of the things. And it's like that's not said and done when you hit your revenue number. Like people just said, oh look, they hit this revenue number, but it's not, nobody talks about like all like the blood, sweat, and tears it took it took to get to that number.
1: Well, that's right. And that and that's actually, and and by the way, it is deeply connected to revenue, right? I mean, if you have you know, 50 initiatives in 2021 that when you stack them all together, add up to your revenue goal. And there's 15 of those that constitute 80% of your, you know, your top revenue. If you miss on any one of those, your revenue will get impacted. You know, there's no company out there that doesn't have some bottoms up sense of the things they need to do and the wins they need to achieve in order to hit their revenue goals. And, the win or loss on the portfolio of projects that you have is based on how efficiently you can execute. And to your point, it's the failures along the way and the learnings that if you're good at that, and if you learn from your mistakes and you apply that to the next project, you're going to get better and better. And that's how I think how companies, they grow over time is they figure out markets better, uh, but they get really efficient at doing the things that work.
0: I have a question for you. How do you as a marketing leader come up with your like OKRs. Like what are you like where do they come from? And then how do you like stem it down to your 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 leaders under you like to make sure that you hit those goals?
1: Sure. So we start with our annual plan. So at Yelp that process began in earnest this past summer, which wasn't easy in the midst of COVID with you know not much of a baseline and a moving target, but we we took a swing at a, um, at a couple scenarios, but we put an annual plan together that finished up in November. And then you kick off an OKR process at Yelp. We do it quarterly. And they essentially, for us, a good percentage of our revenue decisions are going to be made in the first half of the year because of the compounding nature of our revenue. So we really need to pull forward a lot of our bigger wins earlier in the year. So we set our OKRs quarterly with a lot of the weighting of the annual plan on the first two quarters. And we work cross-functionally on developing those OKRs. So when I first got to Yale, marketing was pretty new, 16 years as a company, but only a couple of years in marketing. So it was all new. We weren't working super cross-functionally yet. So we had our own OKRs and goals in marketing that were separate from other groups. And It worked for the purposes of getting the marketing team moving and motivating outcomes and measuring those. But it didn't do much in the way of positive reinforcement that we all need to be working together. And until your goals and OKRs are unified across teams, it's really difficult to be able to count on each other and make sure those dependencies are met. So now we plan all of our OKRs cross functionally with product, marketing our biz ops team, and any other organizations that may be part of a given initiative like sales or customer success. And we have leaders from each of those different groups that present OKRs on a quarterly basis. And those leaders then track and report out on a weekly basis to me and to my product counterparts on how we're doing and where are things falling down. Inevitably, things tend to fall down when dependencies aren't met, when there's a misalignment on priorities and objectives. And we've gotten really good at that over the last couple of years on being able to count on each other a lot more now that we have unified OKRs and cross-functional leadership on those OKRs.
0: That's awesome. And I want to go into, because more in the strategy side of the things, is how do you plan? Because you've been this type of, these type of businesses like Yelp who have a B2B and a B2C like component on it. So like, how do you plan marketing for like two different types of audience? One, the user of the product and one like the actual people who are marketing their business on the product?
1: To be honest, it's what I love about two-sided marketplaces and, you know, having that, that challenge that exists. I would say most often, we're looking at the two sides separately because we have you know different goals for success, different metrics, even different product and engineering teams that are focused on the two different audiences, so unifying them is sometimes difficult. You know, on the consumer side, we look at traffic and sessions and app downloads and you know connections that consumers have with businesses either you know, through requesting a quote from a plumber or making a reservation at a restaurant. And on the business side, it's more about how many new businesses activate on Yelp. And of that, what percentage of them become paying customers? And of those, how many retain? And ultimately, what our CLTV is. But given we have marketplace dynamics of supply and demand, and really it's about how do we connect consumers and businesses at the center there's influence across each. And therefore, there's programs and creativity that we can institute to make that entire marketplace more vibrant. So a couple examples of that. An example of businesses influencing consumers is our only, we call them only on Yelp experiences. So they're experiences that if you're a consumer, you can only do it on Yelp. You can't do it other places like our our waitlist product, for instance, or Yelp reservations. If a restaurant decides to use our reservations product to figure out how to seat diners, they don't use any other system. And therefore we have a relationship with that restaurant. And in order for consumers to have a relationship with that restaurant, they have to use Yelp. So if we sell enough software to enough popular restaurants in a market, then we essentially win that market because these restaurants have so much influence over consumer behavior and preference and therefore their usage of one app versus another. So we do a lot of work in thinking about our call it regional strategy to win certain markets with consumers by using the restaurants as the middleman to capture the most amount of market share, and therefore the most amount of consumer interest. The other example is an example of marketing programs on consumer channels that really influence business owners is our placement of Yelp ads in our own Yelp app. So if we've determined through machine learning models that a visitor on Yelp is probably the actual business owner because the frequency with which that person is visiting that business page We can identify that that person is probably with like 98% likelihood that that person is the business owner. And we then market to that business in the consumer app in a way where only that person can see that advertisement or that piece of content. It's one of our best channels when we say, hey, it looks like this may be your business. You want to make it look better? We have products for that. And so there's a lot of ways that we can begin to look across the market using signals and machine learning. To build models that help us to do better targeting across the market in addition to in the silo b2b channels
0: what's pretty interesting about that i think it's like if you look at popular like even social shops and stuff like that it's like you're basically getting the top creators on the platform to bring their audience to your platform where like for example just go to TikTok. Like, if you brought a, the top people for, and celebrities and all these things to TikTok, then their fans are going to come to TikTok to do that. And really, it's like your, your partnership is going to that, that creator, and then you're bringing yeah, I, the, which is a great way to do it.
1: Yeah, I hadn't heard it described that way, but I suppose it is our own version of influencer marketing. You know, the, the restaurants themselves are influencers within their local communities. And the more they value Yelp, the more consumers will will value Yelp because of the things and the utility that we provide with those popular restaurants. So I think that uh, we've never called it that, but I suppose it's it's a very similar uh, methodology.
0: Cool. And what do you think like the the crossover between like the b2c and b2b is and like like what what strategies do you use that are pretty much the same that you would use in both markets versus like the strategies that are kind of different between b2c and b2b because there are things that for example like b2c come like if a b2b company deployed a b2c strategy it would work but there are also like the nuances in b2b where there's sales cycles there's like Yeah. All of those, there's actually a person in between a sale instead of like a system in between a sale.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a number of similarities that are operational in nature, of course, like the way that we build campaigns and the way that we execute on them. And, you know, there's certainly teams that are focused on both consumer acquisition and retention and biz acquisition and retention, especially in the areas of. Marketing ops, analytics, infrastructure, even things like video production and content. They kind of sit with the same teams. And so we benefit from that. From a a channel and methodology perspective, one of the things that people may not know is that a good percentage of the businesses that sign up for Yelp advertising come through self service. And so it's more of a velocity model that doesn't interact with the salesperson. And it's more like, Consumer marketing in the ways in which we operate the digital channels, in the you know the way that we pass data from channels to our websites, the way that we capture the information, the way that we analyze it, and the way that we optimize it through more growth hacking and running digital a b testing as opposed to lead nurture flows for salespeople. so I think it's like we're we're always trying to find places where we can operate. With singular teams on singular systems, when we have things like that, like customer acquisition on the consumer side and then customer acquisition on the biz side, when both are self service, there's a lot of crossover. But to your point, there's very big differences as we think about channels in many ways. We do a lot on performance marketing on both consumer and biz, but there are certainly many B2B channels, uh, in particular content marketing that we spend a lot more time on on the biz side because we know we need to influence. We know as we go further up market into mid-market and enterprise, there's a longer sales cycle. They are working with salespeople. And so we have to get into the dynamics of you know lead flows and things that you wouldn't have to think about on the consumer side. But interestingly at Yelp there's probably more similarities than differences, which is fortunate for us because it means I can build more efficient systems and higher teams that are dynamic enough to handle both sides of the market.
0: So I want to also go into the topic of, um, we we were talking about OKRs, but like, how did you, when were you in planning, how did you consider like 2021 planning with this being like, with COVID being on here? And this is like, what is the, looking at, the potential new normal of the state of like the business. And also you're in an interesting market too, where like restaurants obviously are struggling right now. And there's also like people, there are like those smaller businesses that are struggling because of COVID. So how did you like take into account all this stuff and plan for t- 2021 as a marketer?
1: Yeah, I think, well, so there's some natural trends on Yelp that have been working in our favor for the last bunch of years, which is that consumers are starting to change their mental models of what Yelp can do for them. And whereas five years ago, most consumers were just using us to find restaurants to eat at and maybe a beauty salon to get their hair done at, now a good percentage of people are coming to the app to do a lot of of different jobs, if you will whether it's to hire a service professional, you know, to book an appointment with one of them, to find out information about a totally different type of business. It's become more diverse, the use cases on Yelp. That's good for us because as you said, restaurants are are hurting. People aren't in many markets right now going out to eat. So as we think about 2021, it's really been about how do we make sure we're leaning into the to the types of ways a consumer might want to use Yelp, given this COVID thing isn't going away for probably the entire first half of next year, and who knows how much longer. It's going to alter behavior, if not shut things down for at least a couple of months going into the new year. So it means, as marketers, from a planning perspective, we think about how to light up other categories and how to, both in terms of like short term product wins as well as campaigns to motivate consumers to do different types of things on Yelp or businesses to come in through different types of promotions in areas that you know we want to get up some, some, some momentum. So for instance, as we go into Valentine's Day, which is one of the biggest restaurant reservation times of the year, and maybe it will be next year as well, but probably going to be a lot of takeout and delivery too. We will probably not go as heavy into Valentine's Day campaigns, or if we do, it'll be focused much more on delivery and takeout than going out to your favorite restaurant. And it opens up the possibility for us and, and space really, for us to think about, what are other things that people around the country think about in February? In the Northeast, it's about snow removal in, or pipes bursting and hiring plumbers, you know, if it's in a different part of the country, it could be something totally different. So we're starting to get a lot better in terms of planning at thinking about the different types of consumers and businesses, segments of the world that might be operating differently based on their needs, and then sizing those opportunities and getting after them with marketing and product efforts in a very different way than we ever have before, because it's so much more nuanced in terms of the geocats that we we target.
0: And how do you think about it when you're competing against like search queries and search sites, like the bigger players, like Google and yeah, Google and Facebook where they, there are business on there And that's how some people search for where they're going, especially like Google local services is getting bigger and better, bigger with a lot of companies and stuff like that. So how do you compete with that search queries and stuff like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're getting bigger. I don't think they're getting better. I think Google is just kind of there and that's their competitive advantage is if they're there, then people use them. We have a unique advantage in that we have an app that many hundreds of millions of people have downloaded over the years. We have a lot of loyalty in our app and we're not as dependent on search behavior, directing traffic to Yelp for things. Uh, I would say that's probably one of our biggest competitive advantages, how many phones our app is on and how engaged our users are. But to get more users using more things, we do need to keep traffic flowing and we got to look at audiences outside of our own ecosystem. So we're, you know, we've always been very good at SEO and we drive a lot of traffic, but then the question is, what do you do with that traffic? Do you, you know, are you okay if they use your mobile site or do you try to drive them to download your app? If you drive them to download your app, you're going to have higher retention and better LTVs, but you might distract from the job at hand. So, you know, their first time user experience might not be as good. So there's a lot of, let's say there's a lot of trade-off discussions on that topic that you just brought up. How do we keep traffic growth going when our one of our biggest traffic sources i.e. google has a competitive product and i think we all we all compete with that you know i think the attorneys general in each state is are now recognizing that that's putting um, many many companies across many categories at a competitive disadvantage per the lawsuits that were just filed this week and as marketers we're doing everything we can to make sure we're diversifying our traffic sources you know that's a big motivator for us to to keep going and finding new ways to grow outside of uh, outside of Google SEO.
0: One thing I think I I that I love about Yelp, and I think that I wonder like how people use this more is like leaning into like how good a social proof it has of like r- restaurants and like services that you go to. Cause I think like for me, I every time I go to a restaurant. I'm looking who the popular dishes that they posted and what do they look like before I order, even in takeout land right now, like before I even, when I go to Postmates, like, or Uber Eats, I'm looking at Yelp to see like what are the good dishes that I leaning into. So how do you guys lean into like that social proof aspect of it and like to help like drive business? Cause I think like social proof is used everywhere. And I think like, especially nowadays that like if you look at like search queries like best restaurant or best software are coming to the top because it's people giving their honest opinion versus a person like a a company giving their honest opinion about something yeah i'm interested in like how you lean into like that aspect of like social proof
1: yeah i mean that's that's social proof that could be like the name of yelp's business right we we've been in the We've been in the reviews business and ratings business almost since day one, not quite since day one, but almost since day one. I would say for a long time, ratings and reviews was the king and queen of social proof. In time, uh, it became photos online, and you know, other companies really capitalized on that, whether it's Pinterest or House or Instagram, big photos, high-res. You know, of the dish that someone's eating or the product that they want to buy. It's content that Yelp has always had, and we've got more of it than anyone. We just accentuate it more. So it's the richness of the content, be it reviews or photos or video or other user generated content. It could be question and answer content, it could be COVID related health and safety information. That really is the currency in the Yelp platform. And we lean into it, uh, of course. I mean, all of our our consumer communications at Yelp focus on reviews and photos and health and safety information right now in the many billions of emails that we send out to consumers because it's the way that we build trust in the market and it's our core differentiator. But it's also the currency. I mean, it literally is our product. It's the thing that we, that we engage with, that our community engages with. And it's our bet, frankly, of sustainability in the market and differentiation from many marketplaces that don't have it. And it's really hard to start. You can't start from scratch. It's, it's hard to catch up to. It's a competitive moat for us. Google's working really hard to catch up. But if you look at their review content, and the, you know, the average length of their review is about 10 words. Ours is two paragraphs. It's just, it's a different level of trust. I think that we're building with the market because of the social proof that's inherent in the currency of our platform.
0: I mean, since you have all this content, how much do you like lean into it in your marketing? Cause I feel like you could, there's so much that you can use that is like, Mm-hmm. And how much actually are you allowed to use? I don't even know that answer. But like, cause like imagine like a family take a picture at like a restaurant that likes like prime content to like show like an experience that happened on Yelp. Like I think that's like and right now it's like we're marketing to humans and that's what people want. Um that authentic content. I think that's right. I I I think we probably um I wouldn't say we use
1: photos and stuff like that in our marketing, mostly because, you know, it's not high res or the aspect ratios off or, and it's, it's, there's ownership issues, whatever, but we use that idea in almost all of our consumer marketing. So we send out emails all the time. You might get them, which talks about hot and new restaurants, you know, it, we, we've In the last year, we've started to send out coll- curated collections of our favorite restaurants or businesses in communities. They've been curated by our community managers. And we use images in our emails. But more importantly, the spirit of what we're sending, it's, it's not about us. It's not about how great Yelp is. It's about how great the content is. And it's and we 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 get some leverage from the imagery and the words that people are are using, but it's the curation of that and and constantly reminding people across the world that Yelp has more of this stuff than anybody. Probably more than leveraging the assets themselves is really where our where, where we spend a lot of our time.
0: That's an interesting point you just brought up. Is and I think I want to dive into like using like the words in your marketing like like using like your consumer's words, like how much do you tap into that? Cause I think like, that's the thing that a big competitive advantage you have in your marketing too, is like the best type of marketing I've seen, like uses the language of their customers mm-hmm. and like your customers are giving you their language all day. Um, like literally if you want to look up people how people talk about italian restaurants you could probably pull up the reviews of every italian restaurant review and see commonalities and use it in your marketing which i think is awesome because no other company has authentic words yeah. that come into it so how much do you like lean into that part of it we
1: we we analyze it we actually ran a um a campaign last year called yelp 15. it was for our 15th anniversary I don't know if the website's still up. I'll have to find it, but it, it's a website that our comms team put together with our data scientists, and it and it looks at trends over the last fifteen years since Yelp started, and interesting things around popular cuisines, search phrases, and how they've trended over time. You know, the most popular words and descriptors of twenty nineteen versus twenty, you know, two thousand five. It was really interesting. And we do look at that. We do tap into it. We don't automate the usage of terminology and phrasing. I think that could be an interesting thing to do because essentially you're creating a mirror for consumers and local cultures to connect with the words that are being used in their local communities. I think there's probably more we could do there. I'm glad you're asking that because I often ask how we use our own data to become better marketers and better communicators. And I think there's a lot, a lot more we can do there.
0: Yeah. The only reason I ask is because like a lot of marketing is talking to customers and then using their words and the best marketing I've seen is like, you have a brand voice, but you speak in the language of your customer. So like the language of your customer in la might be different in the language of your country because there's different slang words there's different way they say things there's different ways that they pronounce even in different countries but it's just like it's just so interesting to me because you you your platform has goldmine of that like other people have to literally go out and mine and ask people for this question dig for reviews and reviews when you ask for reviews, like inauthentically about like your company, it's different than like them giving reviews about a restaurant, which is like, you're not really like, they're not reviewing Yelp. They're reviewing the restaurant on Yelp. So. Yeah. um, Yeah. I agree. The last thing I want to like talk about is just like the aspect of like, and I think this is getting lost in a lot of marketing is like a lot of marketers think of like humans as numbers and not humans. Because I think a lot of them, like, people are just saying, like, let's send out all these emails to a bunch of people and see if we can get the numbers up instead of, like, how many more customers can we get up? It's like, we've we've come to this, like, thing, like, being kind of unempathetic. A lot of marketers have become more unempathetic about, like, people because we're so data-driven that we forget that there's a human on the other side of the phone or we're actually wasting people's times and we're disrupting days. So like, how do you think about that and make sure of like data and like trying to stay human as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it ultimately shows up in the sustainability of your metrics. You might get short-term impact on just, you know, lots of FOMO and ramming promotions to people, right? You're going to get, you're gonna get some, some impact. But when you try that again, it just gets really tired what we think about, and, and there was no better training ground for this, honestly, than the last nine, 10 months, where on the business side, and really everywhere, but a lot of it on the business part, uh, business side, we were forced to think about how we presented ourselves. And whereas prior to March, 90% of emails that we would send to business owners was buy now, get $300 in free advertising... Buy now, buy now, buy now. P.S. Buy now button. <laughs> and then that, we would just send that day over day in concert with salespeople calling. And we would predictably close a good percentage of those that we were pitching to. But when COVID hit, we had to really shift to offering value in new ways and, and really put the focus on building a better long term relationship with, within, with and within local communities you know, if our customers are playing the long game, which is survival, then what do we have to do? We need to provide value in that survival game. And we had to adjust our normal playbook of acquiring customers at an allowable CAC to LTV ratio, which what you were just talking about, which is all about the numbers to like one of like, let's be mindful of what's actually happening in the world today. And as marketers, we got to be ready to shift. We need to play the long game as like baselines your, over your benchmarks are really out the window. So you know, a few components of that were we shifted our content marketing into high gear. We, we went far more from pitching products to being advice offerers and storytellers about how other businesses are coping and adapting and ultimately persevering through COVID. We spent a lot of time and money building up a more robust content marketing team, platform, emphasis. We gave $25 uh, $25 million in relief funds to small businesses and communities back in March. Uh, We shifted our focus to getting just more up-to-date information for consumers, more accuracy of information. We've always done that, but we really leaned into that as a marketing team. Um, It benefits the whole community if people feel safer going out. We spent a lot of time working on our highlighting of Black-owned businesses on Yelp and making it easier to support and uh, and search for them that was indirectly related to COVID. I think it had more to do with uh, a lot of other things going on, but it was the overall cultural angst that was impacting local communities and small businesses impact and ability to operate, frankly. And then this summer, we, we began focusing more of our effort on our win-back programs, specifically for businesses who had to shut down for a few months because of shelter in place, especially restaurants, And we're opening their doors back up and we wanted to help them get back on their feet. So we offered a lot of free products and deep promotions that we would have never otherwise done. And it led to some really great things, both in terms of customer acquisition metrics, NPS scores, sentiment in the market, and retention rates that are now showing up in our LTV calculations. And so I hope and I know a lot of that stuff will be here to stay. It's trained us to think differently. It's forced us to think about some different longer-term metrics than the immediate, what did we close today? Because it forced us to have patience. And when you're forced to have patience, you begin to look at long-term metrics. And it was a, it was a forcing function for us. And so I think we've always treated people like humans, but I think we're now, we're, we're walking the talk a lot more in our marketing
0: programs. And I think one thing that you said that was key is like, and I think a lot of marketers forget about this is how important like that LTV metric is to marketing. Like it's not only that the customers are staying longer, but those customers are also advocates like for more customers. So like a lot of marketers forget that you need to have that LTV to sustain if you're going to have, because it's easier to, frankly, easier to retain a customer than a, and, cheaper than to acquire a new customer so
1: it's um, definitely cheaper to retain it's sometimes hard it's cheaper it's a lot more expensive to acquire new customers there's no question about that so we're we're definitely we're definitely focused on the long game because we know that long term that's the right long term with regards to 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 revenue that's that's the right equation
0: cool Um, well i want to give you a chance just to Tell people where to, how to connect with you, or anything along those lines. Sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can always connect with me by talking to Daniel, and he'll he'll give you my information. <laughs> but um, we're a growing marketing organization at Yelp. It's really a few years in the making. We're going to be adding a lot of really interesting roles to the team next year, from you know consumer brand to data driven con- uh, lifecycle marketing. To creative roles, uh, and then some pretty awesome marketing operational and infrastructure roles as well. So I would encourage everyone to go to yelp.careers.com and check out the marketing opportunities. And you know, if you see me on LinkedIn, reach out. I'd love to connect.
0: I'll also leave uh, that link in the show notes so people can go and awesome. check it out. Awesome. Great. Cool. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. Learning more about double-sided marketplaces and other cool stuff that marketing leaders are doing. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: And uh, I love your podcast. So good luck. I'm, uh, I, I listen to every episode.
0: Thank you. Talk to you cool. Right. bye.